Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Sonal Patel. Coming up, Rishi Sunak gets Brexit done in an historic deal that has huge implications for the political and economic future of Northern Ireland and the Republic. And how Brexit has paved the way for Silicon Valley whiz kids to buy up a piece of old land and tan. <laughs> <laughs> First up, let's talk about Brexit, a big day for Northern Ireland whose future is on the line as Rishi Sunak agrees a new trade deal. Today's agreement delivers the smooth flow of trade within the United Kingdom. Goods destined for Northern Ireland will travel through a new green lane with a separate red lane for goods at risk of moving onto the EU. It means food retailers like supermarkets, restaurants and wholesalers will no longer need hundreds of certificates for every lorry. The thing is, will it pass muster with the DUP? They're the Democratic Unionist Party. Yeah, and that's the major sticking point, Jenny. And the Northern Ireland Protocol is a big issue. Whether you're interested in Brexit or not, this is about more than just trade. It's about borders and identities. Northern Ireland hasn't had, would you believe, a functioning government for a year because the DUP did not like the original protocol. The protocol was brought in when the UK left Europe. So at the moment, Northern Ireland still follows the same rules as the EU when it comes to buying and selling things. But the DUP says this separates Northern Ireland from the rest of the UK. And the Americans really want the UK to make this protocol work. The social and political power of Irish America cannot be underestimated. Yeah, Britain needs America to be happy, um, not just because we're allies, but because we need them to trade with us. The Americans played a big part in the Good Friday Agreement. Bill Clinton was the American president at the time. That essentially brought peace to the region. They want to keep that stability, which Brexit threatens. Not to mention we're coming up to the 25th anniversary of that agreement. The optics are really good if there's a deal and President Biden turns up. And we're going to take a closer look at this tomorrow on the podcast where we'll have more details on this historic agreement. Now, Brexit may have been causing a headache when it comes to trade in Northern Ireland and the Republic, but it appears to have had a positive effect for Americans who want to buy in some of the more salubrious, and I mean very salubrious, parts of London. Love that word. Uh, The fallout from Brexit has seen European buyers 
purchases disappearing from the market, while the war in Ukraine means Russian purchases are now unwelcome, making room for what David Byers, what a perfect name. The best name ever. The best name. <laughs> uh, the Times deputy property editor is calling in his article the Silicon Valley Wizkids. And I managed to catch up with David, the best name ever, <laughs> Byers, earlier, and I asked him who exactly these Wizkids are. The sort of people that uh, did very, very well during COVID, so they might have done very well with the social media empire, uh, empires, tech empires, um, venture capital, for example. Um, there are digital entrepreneurs who've done very well in, in, in a multitude of fields during COVID as we sort of lived and learned online. Um, and uh, it's very different to the sort of buyer profile that many of the sort of stuffy, shirted London estate agents are used to. So they, you know, they take them out for expensive breakfasts, but they also accompany them on Peloton rides and try and enter them in backgammon tournaments in private members clubs to try and impress them. So there's a, a very different sort of profile of buyer at the moment in London. In his article, David cites figures from the estate agency Hamptons, which show that overall foreign purchases in prime central parts of London are in fact on the wane. They're down from 55% in 2018 to 39% last year. But the proportion of American buyers has risen from 2% to 7%. Yeah, and uh, Beauchamp Estates, I love saying that too, mm -hmm. uh, another upmarket agency, estimates that half the homes valued above £15 million went to American buyers in 2022, adding up to a cool £650 million. Nice if you can afford it. So I'm guessing, OK, we're going to need a new nickname for London for the capital because it was always known because of all the Russian buyers as London Grad yeah. or Moscow on Thames. Um, so what now, if, if we've got the Americans moving in. How about um, the Silicon Valley? London Valley. London Valley, that's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Rude. What about <laughs> Seattle grad? Hang on a minute, isn't grad Russian? <sighs> anyway, whatever. Silicon Valley, London styly? <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll just leave that there, shall we? For now, if anyone could come up with a better name, maybe they could email the, uh, the Times online and let us know. Now, there's a really interesting article in the sports section of the Times online today about one of the most controversial tennis stars in the game at the moment. Let me guess, uh, Novak Djokovic, by uh, any chance? That is the man himself. You got it in one. Actually, uh, that is what this article is about um, from the Times tennis correspondent, Stuart Fraser. The fact that the Serbian has now been the world number one for a whopping 378 weeks. Wow. I know, that's like, what, seven and a half years or something? So he's beating the record, uh, former record holder Steffi Graf. She notched up 377 weeks back in 1997. A legend herself. She is indeed. In fact, he does say that in this um, interview with Stuart Fraser. And despite being 35, Djokovic doesn't appear to be thinking about hanging up his racket anytime soon. So he won his 10th Australian Open title last month. He'll be in action at the Dubai Duty Free Championship this week but there is still a question about whether he'll be able to enter the United States for next month's Masters tournaments and as Stuart Fraser told me earlier that's all down to his decision not to be vaccinated against COVID-19 which you may remember saw him famously deported from Australia ahead of last year's Grand Slam. He has examined all areas of his life that does include the vaccine he is determined uh, that it's his own personal choice 
what he puts into his body and he's decided not to have the vaccine and that's caused him to miss several tournaments last year and could still cause him to miss Indian Wells and Miami coming up if the American government don't issue an exemption for him. So his appearance in Dubai could end up being his only chance of playing before the start of the European clay court swing at the Monte Carlo Masters in mid-April. Exciting. Uh, Two big sports stories. The other being that fight between Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. It's kind of debatable, Jenny, whether this... (laughs) This actually counts as sports. Maybe more entertainment? Now, come on, sport is entertaining? This is very true. Sport (laughs) is entertaining. Say that hundred times. Uh, let's just say it straddles two genres. Um, this was the third time it had been arranged and the third was the charm. It finally took place in Saudi Arabia and it was Tommy who won in the end. And there was so much hype around this fight. Mm. It's unreal. It also had a stellar audience. Can you guess who was in the crowd? No I'm, cheating? I'm going to go no with... <laughs> I'm going to go with Prince Harry and Meghan... <laughs> Yeah, because they've always been such big boxing fans. Well, they like to stay out of the limelight, as we absolutely <laughs> know. Uh, I'm trying to think, what about Beyonce? Yeah, OK, let me put you out of your... <laughs> I give up. <laughs> let me put you out of your misery. Cristiano Ronaldo, he was in the crowd. Um, uh, let me see if I can do some more name dropping. Drake apparently put a massive bet on. Not the duck. No. No. The, the, the singer. Okay, oh, right, okay, yeah. good, yeah. Uh, apparently, he put something like $400,000 on Jake to win with a knockout. He'll be buying a house in London next with all that, but bad luck to him. Good thing he's got a few hundred grand spare. Yeah. The fight went a four, eight rounds, didn't it? Yeah, it all came down to the judges. No one lost face, quite literally. <laughs> Everyone still looked very pretty towards the end, which matters. I mean, Jake did knock Fury down at one point, uh, but two out of the three judges voted for him as the winner. Tommy is the brother of the world heavyweight title holder, Tyson Fury, which doesn't necessarily make you a good boxer, but he's also a professional fighter. And, well, Jake Paul isn't, although Jake Paul has some 64 million, I mean, that's ridiculous, followers on YouTube. Tom Kershaw's written a rather brilliant article in The Times on it. This line sums it up. Yet there has never been a sport so malleable to the flow of money as boxing. Yeah, don't forget you can take out a Times digital subscription and read Tom's article for yourself. And that's it from us today. I'm back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.